It's life-giving. There is praise. There is worship. And the things that we speak are wise and lift people up and don't tear people down. There's some fruit that should be expected from a believer. And John 15, 18, or 15, 8 says this, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much, everybody say much, much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. I think that much fruit is important. Why? Because whatever the fruitfulness is, our heart and desire is that it brings glory to God. It brings honor and praise to his name. Fruitfulness shows that you are a disciple, that you are following after Jesus. But it says much fruit. Why? Because God is not satisfied with a little bit of fruit because he wants you to reach your full potential. Your full potential. He wants you to be hyper productive over the course of your life. Why? Not just because it's gonna bring glory to his name, but because it's the only thing that's gonna bring you fulfillment. And he loves you and he wants you to be fulfilled. I think that there is a godly ambition that we should all have as believers. And it's not prideful, it's not puffed up, it doesn't have selfish ambition tied to it, but there's something very holy about a godly ambition to build his kingdom and to bring him glory. That we should wanna spread the gospel of Jesus, that we should wanna see darkness flee from people's life. We should bear much fruit. Amen? Number two. Fruit is always a result of the root. Fruit is always the result of the root. Have any of you ever been to the Redwood Forest in, in California? Ever been? I've, I've just driven past there. I haven't got to spend much time, but man, it is, they are impressive. Uh, you know, just another one of those things where you can marvel at the creativity of God, the grandness of it. One of those trees years ago is one of the more popular redwoods, one of the bigger redwoods that they have sequoias and it was by a camp there was it was a tourist location a tourist destination and a lot of people would come and look at this tree it was over 600 years old uh, one of the larger taller redwood trees well one year without explanation it fell it just fell over and they tried to investigate you know biologists looked at it uh, you know people that study trees what are they called arborists haha <laughs> I'll take arborists for 600. Uh, they couldn't figure out what's going on. Like, was it a, a disease? Was it something with animals? It, you know, it wasn't the weather. It wasn't wind. It wasn't anything like that. So what was it? Well, after studying it, they realized what killed that tree was foot traffic. Because decade after decade, tens of thousands, millions of people were walking around the base of that tree. And eventually it killed the root system. That is a good word for some of you. There's too much foot traffic in your life. Yeah, too much going on, too much busyness, and it is compacting the ability for you to receive what God has for you to the point where your heart is callous. And eventually, you'll fall. There's just too much going on. The deceptive thing is sometimes you can have a lot going on and it can be a lot of good things going on, but it isn't God things and it's still gonna kill you. It's gonna kill the root. It's gonna kill what God really actually has for you. 
And there's a lot of well-meaning things that that can apply to. But everything, the fruit that God wants to produce, it's got to come from your root. Back to the text, verse 8 says, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. So with the analogy, the problem was visible in the tree, but the solution was in the dirt. It was beneath the surface. And that is exactly how it is with us. There will be a lot of things that will manifest over the course of your life in a lot of different ways. The problem is culture, even psychology, will deal with the topical elements of it. Like what's apparent? Like adjust this or adjust that or adjust this. But the issue is you never deal with the root of it. There's some relational dynamics. There's some addictions. There's some hurts and some pains that happen deep in the roots of your soul. And until you allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and revelation into that area of your life, you will never actually deal with the real problem and you will find yourself in a cycle of what that produces. It will produce no fruit or it'll produce bad fruit until the root truly gets taken care of. That's the difference between a superficial change and a supernatural change. God says no fruit without roots. No real fruit if your roots are unhealthy. Jeremiah 17, seven says this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In this verse, it gives us two different types of tough times, circumstances, seasons that every single one of us will go through. Every one of us is given a ministry. God has given you, planted you in a place of ministry. It just shows itself in different ways. But when you face these things in ministry, it'll be the true test of whether or not God is your source or you're trying to do it on your own ability. And one of the things it talks about is it's the heat. It's the heat. What's this? It's the pressure. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's just the load of everything you have to do, but sometimes it's peer pressure. Sometimes it's culture. Sometimes it's everyone trying to get you to compromise biblical standards so that you can be more loving, more accepting. And so there's this pressure. And so what he's saying is, if you're connected to the source, if you're living your life next to the living water, then it doesn't matter when that heat comes, you won't wither. You won't change. You'll continue to produce fruit. But then it also says in drought. And those are those times of life when we just are without. And it can feel that way. I'm sure all of us at one point or another have been in seasons where we felt a drought relationally. It's like, man, where are my people at? We've been in a drought where we didn't have the resources that we thought that we needed, whether that was financially. Sometimes it's an emotional drought. We all face those droughts. They can happen. What this is saying is when you're connected to the source, when your roots go deep into Jesus, that you can go a long season and still continue to produce fruit. That's good. That's good. That's what God has for us. Do you wilt? Do you dry up and do you blow away? That's what happens with the tumbleweed. 
tumbleweed at one point or another, it's, just, it's got some roots that just aren't very deep. And it doesn't take much. Just a little bit of change in moisture in the air, that thing dries up, it dies, and it breaks right off from its root. Goes tumbling across the desert. I don't know about you, that's not where I wanna live. I don't wanna live that vulnerable, that susceptible to every wind of change, every season of culture and pressure that might try to apply itself to my heart. I don't wanna live that way. Jesus calls these pressures and these lack problems weeds in the Bible. Why? Because they come in and they choke out life. They keep us from bearing fruit. They choke the lifeblood, the joy, the peace. He tells us sometimes you gotta dig around. You gotta dig around. That's why you have to aerate your yard. Sometimes you gotta dig, you gotta put some holes in there. Why? Because it needs oxygen and it needs moisture. And sometimes you gotta dig around because you got a bunch of other stuff growing in there that was never meant to be there. You've allowed some things or you've even intentionally planted some things that are not supposed to be a part of who you are. And sometimes you're gonna have to dig around. You're gonna have to dig around. But if you will, the word says this, the righteous cannot be uprooted. No matter what, they can't be uprooted. But here's the encouraging thing, and I wanna tell you this because some of you are feeling the guilt and the shame and even the condemnation of some of the things I'm talking about. And even the enemy is trying to throw it in your face right now. These weeds, these things that you know represent what have caused you to lose your ability to produce the fruit that you have a conviction that you're supposed to produce. And the enemy, as the accuser of the brethren, is coming at you and he's trying to remind you of those things. By the way, sometimes the enemy will use people to do the same thing. I've mentioned this before. Don't attack other brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't come after the body of Christ. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren and he doesn't need any help. Don't partner unintentionally or intentionally with the enemy by bringing up accusations, things that could destroy and hurt. Support each other, build each other up. That's the word of God. That's what it tells us to do. But what's really encouraging is God hasn't given up on you either. God has not given up on you. Verse eight, sir, the man replied, leave it alone for a year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. This is the patience and mercy of God. He is willing to wait on you. He's willing to wait on you. He knows where you're at. He knows your heart. You know what I think is interesting? It says it gives this time frame of three years. Three years. It's been three years since the beginning of COVID. And I can tell that there are some things that do either because of foot traffic, the lies of the enemy, the weeds that you planted there yourself, culture, decisions you made. There are some things that have gotten pushed down, dried up, barren. And God is ready for those things to begin to produce fruit again in your life. And it's time. Some of you, you let fear creep in and it's a weed that's keeping you from producing fruit. Some of you let frustration and anger and you got judgmental towards people 
because they didn't agree with what you thought about everything that was going on. And you were getting all your information from news networks and then trying to lather a little bit of the word of God on top and you wind up partnering with the enemy to create some issues. I don't know what it is, but it is time to move on from that. God is ready to produce some new things in you. It's been a season and he's still been waiting on you. I'm so thankful. I don't know about, how many of y'all struggle with patience? Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house want to admit that? Don't lie in church. Some of y'all, your wife is voting for you or your husband's voting for you. I'm not the most patient person, but I have grown. I have grown, but I'll give you an example. Back when our kids were little, we had little kids, we got four kids. They're all about two years apart. So at one point or another, we had a lot of little kids running around, right? And from time to time, Cody said, hey, you mind staying home with the kids? I need to run to the store and pick up some things. So in my mind, when I hear, I got to run the store and pick up some things, 10 minutes? You know, so this internal clock would start immediately. We already talked about false expectations, right? Now, I wouldn't have them that way. Mm-mm. No. And I'm not proud of it. And I've repented. And I've grown a lot. But it was during times like that that I would say things like, your kids are driving me crazy. Get home. Your kids are misbehaving so much. And some of you ladies, stare-at-home parents, right now, you're gonna be tempted to judge me. But I even said at different points, no, I can't babysit the kids right now. Okay, I said it. I'm not proud of it. But like I've said, I've learned, I've grown. And now, she can be gone. (laughs) As long as she wants. (laughs) Mama. No, it's different now. You know, they've grown up a little bit, a little more self-sufficient. You know, for the most part, they're not trying to light stuff on fire, you know. Now it's different though, because I still have to have patience. Because now it's, hey, I need to go to the store or I want to go to the store. What are you going to get at the store? Could you please submit a list prior to leaving? (laughs) I don't care how long it's going to take you. I'm like, but if I got a list, (laughs) that'll help me. And this is what she'll say. I'm just going to go look for a treasure. treasure I feel like we got a lot of treasures already here in this house so many treasures what's even worse is she will go and look for treasures at places like dirt cheap where you should be required to wear a hazmat suit to search through the things that they have There is no telling how long it's going to take to find a treasure in that place. God is so patient. His spirit is so patient. 
so compassionate. The truth is the Lord really does want every one of us to find that treasure. Like he wants us to find it. The strongest revelation we'll ever have is personal revelation. It's not something that anyone can give you, including myself. It's gotta be something that's birthed in your time with the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing is God is very patient in allowing us the time and process to find that. And the truth is this, Jesus intercedes for us. He prays for us that we might find it. I wanna pause and I wanna look at the process of how rotten fruit can sometimes creep in because you have to identify that. And I think you need to be really open and honest about where, where you are maybe in this process as well. It says in Titus 3.3, 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by men and hating one another. So the first process in this, it says foolish. Okay, so foolishness, it starts with the wrong idea. And this is what I see a lot of times. Someone gets a thinking error. They get the wrong idea. They get this thought in their mind and they wanna try to justify it. They will even contextualize scripture in the wrong way to try to justify this thought. It's a false notion. A lot of this has happened over the last couple of years but it is something that is not God's way and it will not lead them to freedom. But they allow that thought to remain instead of doing what the word says and to take it captive and make it obedient under Christ Jesus. That's what the word says that we should do with thoughts that set themselves against the knowledge of who we are in Jesus. But eventually it will then move to disobedience that idea will turn into an attitude, a mindset, and will have action. Because there's always gonna be this civil war that's happening, but at this point, you have chosen the wrong word and applied it in your life. And it's not a word of the Lord, it's a different word. One that you conceived on your own or one that came straight from the pit of hell, quite honestly. And then after that, you're led astray. And at that point, deception sets in. And what I've learned is people that are deceived don't know they're deceived because they're deceived. They're convinced they're right. And they'll be led astray. And that's when we rebel. And we might even think, I'm just being independent. And I'll hear things like this. I'm just finding myself. I'm living my best life. But God sees us being led astray. You're not actually independent. Satan has you by the ear and he is leading you away. You're not by yourself. You've just partnered with the enemy. And then that leads to passing our days. We aren't living our days. We're just letting them pass by. There's no investment. There's no purpose attached to it. Uh, and, and what I've noticed is people that find themselves in these cycles, that's typically when they begin to struggle, even as believers with things that the world struggles with. Because there is an emptiness, there's an unfulfillment that is there, and so they will try to cope in any way they can. Could be inappropriate relationships, could be substance abuse. 
getting drunk. Could be a lot of things because their days are just passing. And the next process, part of the process is hated and hating. When you have rotten fruit, you will sow and reap it. So your relationships will start breaking down and this is where you begin to live and exist in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. People will easily frustrate you, offend you, hurt you, make you angry. Bitterness and resentment will settle in. But then other people also resent you. And again, Jesus is still praying for you. Jesus is still praying for you and he's ready to dig. He's ready to dig. But I will say, sometimes, we're, sometimes we get to this place and, and God is a supernatural God. But sometimes we're like, we want this huge, miraculous, transformative move of God to just shake us and change everything. And so many times God is saying, no, I've actually given you all the principles that you need. You need to dig yourself. Do the work. Faith without it is dead. I have given you the tools. I have given you the pastors, the leaders, the sermons, the worship songs, the memory verses. I've given you everything that you need. You need to be faithful and obedient with what I've already given you. And in the moment that you can repent, be teachable and turn towards that, he said, and I'll dig with you. I'm right here, let's do it, let's do it. Let's get rid of the weeds, let's get rid of the rotten fruit, let's start producing what I've created you to produce. Thus saith the Lord. Proverbs seven, one through three says this, my son, keep my words and store my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as an apple of your eye. Bind them to your fingers, write them, on the tablet of your heart. One of the things that'll help you get your roots right, this is your shovel. You are transformed by the washing and renewing through the word of God. But you've got to get back to the place where this is truth and this is your standard. You're not going to pick and choose what you like and what you don't. It's got to be the word of God, not the word of God, but I don't like what it says about this lifestyle, not the word of God, but I still want to hold on to my rights and privileges of what I want to do. Not it's your word, but I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings by standing on the word. No, it is the balance of truth and grace, but it is uncompromising. It is the apple of our eye, meaning I cherish it. If it's five or 10 minutes every morning, I know that this is not just a book I'm reading. It is God speaking to me. And one thing that you could fall into, because I've fallen into it too, is this new year. We got new reading plans and all this stuff. I love the Bible app. You know what I love? I love checking boxes. How many of y'all love checking some boxes? Okay, but here is the fault that could come with that. You get so into checking boxes that you are skipping over a revelation that God's trying to give you that's gonna help you dig. And sometimes it's better for you to meditate on four words than to get through all your check boxes and get your reading plan for the day done. 
Sometimes you need to just be still and know that he's God and let one verse root out something that's been in you for decades. Stay in that place. Stay in it. Let it be the apple of your eye. Bind it on your finger. That means you take it with you. You You don't just post about it on social media. You don't just do it. You're living it. You're living it. It's who you are. You want desperately to live biblically. And then it says, write it on tablets. It means memorize it. Put it on your heart. Put it on your heart. I'm so glad that some of you have found a word and I wanna believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that revealed that to you. But here's the thing. More than just that one word, you need a word. And some of you, you need to get that word and you need to memorize it because the enemy, he still wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates you. He wants to kill every purpose that God has put in front of you. Everything. But the moment that you let this get into this and come out of this, he is defeated. You take care of business. And some of us, we need to get that written on the tablet of our hearts. And when you do that, man, your roots, they're gonna go deep. The tree with the deepest root system on the planet is called the shepherd's tree. It grows in Southern Africa in the wilderness, in a desert. I've seen pictures of it. It's crazy because it can be like in the middle of sand dunes, green, flourishing. By accident digging a well, they found roots of this tree 240 feet down underground. Okay, well, obviously it's trying to find moisture. It's driven to find it. How driven are you to find what you know you're gonna have to need to truly live? But it's called the shepherd's tree because sheep shepherds, goat shepherds, cow shepherds, for years, hundreds of years, they will actually plan their migration routes of where they need to take their flocks to find water and to find pasture according to where these trees live because they know they'll always be able to find shelter underneath those trees, always. And you have to understand that everything that God is asking you to do, it's not just for you. As believers, as disciples, we should always be a place that people can find shelter. And that no matter what the season, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what's happening, no matter how dry, how much heat, how little or how much, believers will always be a place of shelter. That's what God's called us to be. So everything I'm talking about, it's not just for you. It's for the fruit. And the fruit, sometimes it's taking care of vulnerable sheep. It's being a shelter, place of refuge. I wanna be that as a church. If you wanna be that too, say amen. Close your eyes, bow your head. God is patient, long-suffering. He doesn't just throw us out or throw us away. And some of you, if you were honest, you would say that there were days years and years ago where you felt way more on fire for God than you do right now. And some of you feel like a shell of your old self. But I wanna let you know, you can get it back. You can get it back. You can start the process of getting it back right now. You can get spiritual strength back. But I do think you have to just take an honest examination. Where are you? Where are you? 
please don't let superficial things convince you that that's gonna be the answer. Eternity is real. His kingdom is real. And it's supposed to be here on earth, in our lives, right now, as it is in heaven. That's his will, that's his plan, that's his purpose. It does not happen if we're not submitted. It doesn't happen if we still wanna hold on to pieces of our agenda and then try to sprinkle a little Jesus on the side. There's a big difference between feeling good and feeling fulfilled. And you can only feel fulfilled by accomplishing your God-given purpose. And it will always be about his kingdom. It will always be about eternity. It starts with surrender. And there are some of you in this room right now that you have never truly surrendered. You have lived maybe for a long time adding Jesus to things, adding church to things, even adding the Bible to things, but it has never been everything. It has never been, no, it's not I'm gonna do all these things and try to add Jesus, it's no, Jesus first. It's Jesus first in my life every day. It's Jesus first in my marriage and every relationship. It's Jesus first in my finances. It's Jesus first in my business, in my career. It's Jesus first and how I'm raising my kids. It's Jesus first in making decisions about what's gonna happen in our calendar. It's Jesus first. And some of you, you're not living that way because you've never received his grace, his love, his forgiveness. You've never received salvation. Some of you, you felt like you did at one point or another, but if you're honest, you, you're away from him right now and you need to come back to him. Well, there's no better way and no more important way that you would start anything, especially a new year, than understanding that salvation, understanding and beginning to walk in the plan and purpose that he has for you. And so if you're here right now and under a, an honest examination of your soul, of your heart, you would say, man, I'm away from him. I have no confidence of where I would spend eternity if I died today. And I have no hope and no peace of this, this relationship with the creator of the universe that you're talking about. God wants to be near and he wants you to know that he's near, but you've got to make a decision. He gave you free will. And if you're here and you're ready to surrender to that, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd say, and you'd be willing to admit, I need Jesus, I'm away from him. I want to pray with you. And I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, make eye contact. You can put it down. Got you. Anyone else? I'm ready. I want to surrender to him. Thank you. Got it. Anyone else? I need Jesus. Got it. I'm tired of playing games. I don't want to do this thing on my own. I see at the back. Thank you so much. Got it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Any stubborn people like me in the room? You're like, no, I'm supposed to, but I don't know if I will. Thank you. Respect that, bro. Been praying for you this whole service. Yes, sir. The word says it's in our weakness that his power is made perfect. 
Man, some of you, it'd be so refreshing if you could just stop trying to live one more year trying to be strong all the time and surrender to his strength. Got it. Thank you, bro. Let his power be made perfect. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to call on him as my Lord and Savior. Got it. Got it. Holy Spirit kind of is working back and forth in the room like a, like a wave pool. <laughs> Anyone else? Yes. Yes. He's demonstrating his patience. He's demonstrating, man, I've been just been waiting. I just want you to know there's not a person in this room that's more worried about getting out of here then they are worried about you meeting your savior. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Got it. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Hmm. Got it. Yes, sir. Anyone else? I see you. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. It's hard to qualify the presence of God. But this is it. It's in this room right now. Anyone else? Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're faithful. Thank you for meeting with every one of those people right now, right there in their chair. You're showing yourself faithful. Your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. If you raise your hand or even if you didn't, but you knew you were supposed to, it's okay. You raising your hand is not what gets you saved. But every other person that raised their hand, as soon as they did that, they felt a portion of his grace and presence. And that's what I wanted for every one of you. That's why I asked you to raise your hand, not because it's salvation, but because I wanted you to just sense that as an act of your free will and submission to this moment, that he was gonna move. Is there anyone else? Okay, then let's talk to him. I want every person in this room to repeat after me. Say, Father, I need you. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I'm not strong enough. I am not good. Only you are good. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price that I could never pay. Thank you that you rose from the grave. You defeated death. You defeated my sin. Thank you for giving me a new life. I submit to you as my Lord and I repent 
I turn away from myself, from the world, from culture. I turn towards you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer for the first time. I'd encourage you, if you made that decision, tell somebody, declare, declare that you've surrendered your life to Jesus. What that does is it, it destroys any fear that the enemy would try to present that it wasn't real, that it also give you some accountability. And at some point or another, you need to go public with that decision. Next week, we'll have water baptism. That's a great way, a great time for you to go public with that decision. But I also encourage you to tell us about it. If you made that decision, write it down on a connect card. Let us know. Here in a second, we're gonna worship the Lord one more time and our prayer team is down here at the front. And if you just made a decision to follow Jesus and you're not sure what your next steps are, we'd love to pray with you and help you understand what that is. Lord, thank you for meeting with us. You're good, you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.